Welcome to the Leaders of Lasting Impact podcast. My name is Matt Pohl, founder of the Rewild Group. We believe that as a fundamental part of the human experience, that work is not only essential, it's valuable, that work matters. That's why we're on a mission to multiply the number of exceptional businesses globally. We want business owners and their employees to thrive at work. Thanks for joining us for another episode where we discuss stories of how leaders are having a lasting impact on small and mid-sized businesses. Welcome to the Leaders of Lasting Impact podcast. I'm Matt Pohl, your host, and I'm pleased today to be joined by Jimmy Burrows. He's the CEO and founder of JBL. Jimmy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Matt, for the kind intro and invitation. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my pleasure. Um, you know, we really focus on uh, identifying people who are having a, a lasting impact, specifically on small, mid-sized businesses. And so we saw that you're active in that space, and we're, we're really glad that you joined us. Um, just to start off, it'd be good to just hear a little bit about your background. I've I see you've kind of a world traveler. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that story. Oh, it's um, probably a, 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 a story made up of three chapters. And if I go back to the beginning of um, the working life, my first job out of university was as an army officer. And my first posting was the second Gulf War. So yeah. if you can start with a leadership experience that's a baptism of fire, then I think that was possibly about as extreme as it gets. And when I was that young 23-year-old turning up in Kuwait, hitchhiking into Iraq and finding my regiment, who were all these battle-weary, thousand-yard stare um, soldiers and officers who'd been through some of the most challenging times in recent military history. And I was this fresh-faced kid uh, trying to make your impact, trying to lead and not feel like an imposter in that circumstance and trying to find a way to deliver real value was kind of my career from day one. Chapter two of my um, my existence was emigrating to New Zealand and working my way up the ranks through the corporate ladder. And I finished my my corporate career as the GM of a an, an eight figure business where we were traveling all over the world and were going through some significant transformation projects at the same time. So you can imagine yourself being that uh, busy manager who has a team of people to look after, but is also in all the meetings, you know, back to back all day, right. every day, involved right. in lots of problems, uh, trying to deal with lots of moving parts and lots of vol- volatility and uncertainty. And unfortunately uh, for me and for many of my peers, uh, I burned out in 2017. Ooh. And so I stepped out of the corporate world and so started chapter three which has been the last six years of my life, which has been initially trying to understand why did I burn out? What happened? Right. Uh, then starting to connect and talk to people who had experienced something else. And these were all high-performing people. You know, They were on fast track to executive roles and they were desperate to get back to that level of performance. 
And uh, so I started understanding a little bit more about that and then have gradually over the last six years moved into the space of how do we help leaders and their teams go from on the verge of burnout, on the precipice to being that high performing team again, being that high performing leader, staying at work, paying the mortgage, adding value, getting the results and getting the promotions and recognition that they really want. And so chapter three has been how we've essentially got to our conversation today. Okay. Okay. So that transition for you from corporate to advising businesses was really your own personal burnout experience where you said, I I can't continue to do this. Uh, what, what were some of the signs for you personally that said, okay, this is, this is too much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a very personal story, but I'm sure it's one that many listeners will see um, some of themselves in. Uh, I, we use a, a very simple way of thinking about the signs and the symptoms of burnout, which is the five vowel letters, A, E, I, O, U. Okay. And um, what we notice from the research that we've been doing over the last few years with, with leaders who are under these high pressure circumstances is often they're very anxious. So the A is all about anxious. And anxious is generally worrying about all the things that I have to do and worrying about the things that I've done and hoping that they're, they're good enough. Mm-hmm. And so that constantly living in that what fight or flight state okay. can be really challenging for many leaders. And so we start to look at one of those things. And for myself, it was the, oh, my God, I've just woken up and I've got 200 emails and I've got a board meeting at nine o'clock and I'm in China. So I'm having to dial into that at four in the morning. Um, this is like, how is this going to go? I haven't been prepared for this or that email from the CEO, Jimmy, we need to talk. Um, something's gone wrong in one of the projects. Can you get in here and help us? It's that anxiety that I was um, starting to feel all the time. Um, then starting to um, build on top of that exhaustion. Um, I was working, I was normally at my desk by 7am. I'd finished my meetings at 7pm and then I'd start my day job and actually do the things that I needed to do to get done to keep the strategic goals moving forward. So I was always exhausted and never really had time to take any time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so never took a holiday in two and a half years. Was always There was always something that took a weekend or an evening up. I was doing an MBA at the same time. So again, you know, too many priorities, too many things going on. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the E is the is the exhaustion. I is the the feeling of being isolated. Um, one of the things that happened to me is that a lot of my peers were also burning out, and so as they left, projects were just handed over to the survivors. Right. Uh, we had to keep momentum because the organization had some significant problems in terms of funding. Uh, government decision uh, took place on uh, one day, which immediately took twenty million dollars off our bottom line. And Jimmy, you need to work out a way of fixing this uh, right. because your part of the business is our cash cow. So talk about pressure. And I was very isolated. I was thinking, yeah. well, how, how the hell am I going to do this? All my, all the people I trust and lean on have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm, I just restructured my team and we were in the process of team building. So I didn't have confident, capable people I could lean on, or I didn't think I did at the time. So felt very isolated. Um, oh, overwhelm. You can imagine all these things coming at you all the time. And I'm sure many leaders experience this, but I was certainly feeling extremely overwhelmed in you know, really full days, walking into meetings going, what's this meeting about? Why am I here? Oh, okay, cool. Put that cassette in. Off we go. Yeah. Um, and then the final piece, which I think is the, the linchpin of what causes that burnout is unmotivated. 
Um, now, unmotivated can be two things. For me, it was sitting on the edge of my bed one morning and thinking, Jimmy, I don't know if you've got it in you to go to work today. I don't know if you can keep going. I don't know if there's any gas left in the tank. Right. And that that's often one that comes up is just that pure like, oh, I just can't be bothered anymore. I don't care anymore. Um, the other one that we see, and again, I found myself and certainly talking to people in the last years with the hundreds of teams that we've worked with, um, it was the, I kind of want to try. I've, I'm a trier, like I'm a high performer, but I know that they'll just change it again. Or I know that, you know, whatever we do, there'll be a strategic shift or they'll just restructure again. There's just no point. So right. I'm not even going to bother. Right. And, and and so those five things, the A-E-I-O-U, were the real signs and symptoms that were the warning signs for me. And what we say in our world is if you're seeing three or more of those, you're like, yep, that's me. Then we should have a conversation because yep. that's where the danger signs are two or less. You're probably okay. Everybody deals with those being a leader in a busy organization, but three or more is, is where start paying attention is important. So you have this experience. You've now taken that experience and sounds like additional research to help others that have gone through that, how how did you start to build really a business advisory services business out of that, again, life experience and trying to find a solution to it? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really interesting journey that we went on. I say initially I was just recovering myself and then um, <laughs> sure. I, I was like, well, why did it like, surely there must be a reason why this happened to me. I'm a smart guy. You know, I was en route to be the CEO of an organization. I was on the fast track for leadership. I was 15 years younger than everybody else in my leadership team. Why did this happen? Um, so a lot of introspection initially and going, well, what were the, what are the characteristics? Cause you obviously you're the consistent person in every frustration you have in your life. Right. So <laughs> what was, what is it about me that caused that to happen? And then as I was, I was traveling in Latin America with a, a digital nomad organization, um, going between cities and kept on bumping into all these people who were taking some time out. And these were high performers, you know, the CEOs and GMs of organizations, they were fast tracks, but, um, fast track individuals, they were very successful and they just like, just need to take a break. I'm going to go off and, and be in Latin America for a few months. And our conversations kind of lined up and they were, you know, alpha achieving personalities. Right. And and we kept on seeing these things. And, and then I said, well, what was happening in your team at the time? And what were the things that you were experiencing? And what was the working environment like? And how was the leadership going on around you? And over time, there started to be some patterns and those patterns became more and more and more pronounced. And as we started then um, being asked to go and work with organizations, so I had a, a couple of people working with me at the time, and we started getting asked to go and create leadership programs and high performance team programs. And again, in those workshops, you you know you'd say something like, um, "So you know, what's the goal of this team? What's the what's the vision for the team? Why does this team exist?" Mm -hmm. And you get fifteen different answers, mm -hmm. and you'd say, "Ah, okay, there's something in that." So over time, all these pieces started to form into a puzzle, which eventually became the book. But it was essentially there's five building blocks or five important parameters that you need for a high performance team or to be a high performance leader. And if you're missing those pieces, then it's very hard. And so the business that we run now came about through initially those conversations, then testing and testing and testing with reasonably sized organizations you know we work with the six we're literally across a range of six to 12 figure businesses but they're all businesses where they've said what we're doing isn't working 
and traditional leadership development that isn't working and high-performing teams programs are not working. We need something a bit different and mm-hmm. that's where we get bought in. Okay, okay. Speaking of, it sounds like you have a broad range of, of size of companies, you know, what different industries, different sizes, obviously, from a revenue standpoint. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your your customer mix. Yeah, I mean, we work with um, one of the largest hospitality organizations in Australasia. They have casinos, uh, restaurants, bars, hotels, convention centers. We work with construction organizations, so um, civil and um, industrial engineering. We work with uh, a, lot, a very large American bank across their EMEA region, um, which is a fantastic, uh, fantastic client. Um, equally, we work with much smaller organizations. So we have a very small construction client, 30 people. Okay. And we've worked with them uh, to help the GM of the organization really put into place some, some business practices. Uh, we work with another building organization in Scotland. Uh, they've gone from five to 25 people in the time we've been working with them and seen their profits and and the culture of the organization has really shifted. So what I say, what we look for generally, and certainly what we see in the smaller organizations are those really busy bosses who are running around, like just like I was back in the day, running around, meeting to meeting, a checklist full of things to do. And when something goes wrong, they're the ones that are in there rolling their sleeves up, helping fix it. Right. And we turn them into leaders and we help them lead the business a little bit differently. And generally that is, we sort of say it's the shift from being the operations expert to being the managing director, the GM, the CEO, whatever it might be. And that is the one single way to amplify your impact as a leader, but also to start making more money as a business. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We, in our growth methodology, we talk about, organizations moving from being owner-centric to being enterprise-centric. And it kind of sounds like that same idea that, you know, you're lifting the burden. Well, I don't know if the burden ever gets lifted off the owner, but they're they're delegating more. They're, they're really seeing themselves more um, taking on different roles. They're spending their time in other things, working on the business instead of just working in the business. Yeah, so, exactly that. Yeah. Um, you, you kind of paint a little bit of a picture of, you know, that, especially on that small and mid-sized business, what what the uh, CEO might look like. Are there any other characteristics that are common, you know, challenges that they're facing with clients that, you know, that will pull you in and, and get a lot of value out of your services? I mean, certainly we, the, you know, the, the avatar, the, the customer profile that we tend to work with is somebody who's either started or grown that business quite significantly. They've been really successful already okay. in their career. Um, and they're suddenly for whatever reason, either maxed out and they can't find a way out of it. They sort of feel like the hamster on the wheel, just spinning and spinning. And the faster they run, the faster the wheel goes and they can't okay. get off. And they're looking for something a bit different. Um, equally, they're maybe not seeing the results that they are looking for. So it could be you know, not hitting the numbers, um, struggling to get the team motivated. Everybody just seems to be doing their own thing. And why won't they do what I ask them to do in the way I want them to do it? Right. Um, uh, that can be your real frustration. Equally, it could be the opposite is we're all really stretched here. We seem to all be overwhelmed. And as a manager or a leader, I'm trying to step in and help because I can see these people I really care about are really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what to do about it because we're all working really hard. So right. I can't delegate anymore because I'll just overload my people. 
um, or people keep leaving the business. And no matter how hard I try to get to the important things, I seem to just spend all my time recruiting and training and onboarding people. So these are the kind of common problems that we often see in organizations that are burning people out and are stopping them being high performance. So what we do is we say, well, let's first of all, let's work out what is the culture story that's going on here? Um, What's stopping you making more money? What's stopping you losing money? Um, and, and, And work out how we create a story around it. So everything we do is completely customized based on a body of knowledge that we have. Right. Uh, and, but those are the common, common stories that come up. Um, tell us about just uh, maybe one example. Maybe we'll talk about a couple, but let's start with a first example of a small or mid-sized business that had some of those characteristics, maybe something a little bit different. But how did you, how did that work? How do they find you? What was uh, the process like? Did you have a long-term impact on that business and, and how? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll use the example of the the building company in Scotland because they're, you know, they're probably one of our longest standing clients. Actually, we've been with them for five years now um, okay. in a in an advisory capacity. But initially we just started with a, a conversation and the CEO of the organization was looking around for a business coach. And he had interviewed probably five or six business coaches and they all have their own niche or specialization or whatever it was. And I jumped on and I said, well, it sounds to me like what's actually going on is we've got a culture problem, a culture and leadership challenge, not a business challenge. Uh, Would you be open to exploring that with me? And I don't really do a hard sell. It's not our style where we basically invite people to play with us. And if they want to nerd out on the topics that we nerd out on, let's Mm -hmm. talk about it and let's see if we can add some value. So initially, we started off on trying to understand what was going on in his business. Um, He was a team of, at that point, five. He was waking up at five in the morning every day, uh, had a full checklist every day of things that had to get done. He was still, he just stepped off the tools, um, had a a team of people who were doing the building work now, but was really struggling to get away from kind of the day-to-day dealing with subcontractors, dealing with vendors, dealing with suppliers, um, trying to make all those pieces fit together. Over time, we initially worked on processes. So leadership processes, leadership standardization, getting everything down and documented that needed to work. Then we started working with him on recruitment and onboarding. So when you get new people, let's onboard them really effectively so they understand what they're meant to be doing and they stay. Uh, then we've moved into team building. So I say now he's a team of 25, has three project directors working for him when they've got their own teams, has a full operations team that run the business, social media, marketing, finance, taxes, all that stuff. And so he's had to step from being the operations manager involved in everything, stepping back to now being the managing director. Right. And so his job is to run the business, think about strategy, think about long-term thinking, make sure that the project directors are developing their teams, creating two ICs. So really starting to build a momentum of high performance into the business, but starting very basic, starting very, very simple stuff right. all the time, encouraging and giving him new ideas by asking questions. Because what we know is that you can't tell people what to do. They have to want to do something new and you can talk about options with them. And so our our role is not, we'll come in and tell you what you should be doing. We'll share some best practices, but we want you, we want to work in your context, in your business and what you think is the next best thing to do. Let's talk about the pros and cons and the merits of that. And then let's try some stuff. Let's debrief on it and let's keep learning. 
And so over the years that we've been working with this business, they've tripled their revenue. Um, so they've more than quadrupled their staff. Uh, their profitability is better than it's ever been. Um, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where he said, for the first time in over two years, I didn't worry if we we're going to have enough money in the bank at the end of the month. Okay. I just don't even care anymore. I know there's going to be enough money. We're booked solidly for all of next year for projects. Um, and now, now what they're doing is actually starting to shift away from what I would call bespoke projects. And they're looking at mass scaling prefabrication. So right. starting to really think transformative in their industry. And we're right. supporting them through that. Okay. Wow, that's great. And you've been said around five years that you've been working with this this company? Yeah, we and we meet every couple of weeks for a conversation. Uh, where we talk about what's going on in the business, what are the frustrations? And one of the things that you know I often see is the th what the leader sees is happening isn't necessarily the reality of what's going on. And right. so you know they might get oh, just really frustrated with this person because they just won't do what I say or you know they did this and I can't understand why they did that. And we go, well, which what's the process that failed here? Was it your communication? Was it their training? Was it the compliance process that they have to adhere to? So often we just act as that sounding board or that check-in person. Mm -hmm. um, in the earlier stages, when it was much more hands-on involvement, we were doing workshops and live labs and getting, we did uh, psychometric profiling with the team so we could, they could understand each other more effectively. And we yeah. have a whole suite of tools up our sleeves. But essentially what we're doing is connecting people, building trust so they can work more effectively together, creating alignment and direction, and then helping them to accelerate. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Now, uh, where where are you based out now and kind of what markets do you serve geographically? Yeah, so I live uh, most of my year. I spend in Los Cabos, Mexico, uh, on the West Coast in Baja, California. Um, okay. We work across Europe, Australasia and North America. Uh, so we have sort of three distinct markets that we're able to support clients in. A lot of our stuff is virtual now because of COVID and right. um, certainly what we've found is that the cost effectiveness of what we do can be significantly improved if we're virtual for some of the time and in person for some of the time. Right. So most of our arrangements with clients are we have about a four to six month more intense engagement where we're meeting kind of every four to six weeks for a period of time. And uh, we'll fly in for the first or second and the last, but the rest of them can be delivered virtually because that takes out the expense. Uh, also, it means we can uh, service more clients because we're not traveling all the time. Uh, and also it's good for family life. You know, if you're making everybody travel all over the world all the time, then they're taking them away from their families and their loved ones. So we try and architect the solutions that we do with, with it. We create with our clients uh, to make sure it works for them and works for us. Great. Um if you had to give kind of a general word of advice to a business leader, um, maybe in the area of, of avoiding burnout, but uh, you know what what kind of based on what you've seen, not only from your personal story, but now the last six years of of helping other businesses, um, what kind of word of advice might you share with them? Yeah, you know, I think if we keep it really simple, because what we see is people with burnout are often like mentally overwhelmed already. So right, if we keep it right. really, really simple, you're probably trying to do too many things at the same time. And you're probably trying to do too many things. And what I mean with that is what we're seeing consistently in organizations where burnout is a real challenge is there's a lack of priorities. Everything is top priority. We're trying to do all the things all the time. 
And we know from research that one to three things is about as much as any of us can do. Right. Multitasking is a myth. Um, actually, all you're doing is just task switching and there's an inefficiency in doing that. So it's better to focus on one thing for a few days, get it done and move on to the next one. Or, you know, if it's a bigger project, one thing for that quarter, get it done, move on to the next thing versus trying to uh, do seven things at any one time. Or as one of the clients I started working with had 186 projects going on at the same time. So is there any wonder why people are struggling with that? Um, the second piece is you're probably trying to do too much. Uh, and this, again, goes back to your role as a leader in the organization. There's a reason it, that you're called a leader and not a doer, uh, because you're meant to lead the doing, not do the leading. And so the the goal here is that we really want you to step back from the day to day. And instead of saying, look, I'm the superhero, I'll come in and save the day and I'll be involved in everything is to say, who is the best person here? And if I haven't got somebody I can give this to, then my first responsibility is to train somebody up to be able to give this to and to support them and delegate and work with them. Um, if I'm always the one rushing in, I'm actually depriving uh, people around me of opportunities to graze their knees and learn some lessons. Because the reason you got to where you are is because you graze your knees and learn some lessons. And that's right. called experience. Right. And so what we say is really focus on the priorities of what you've got going on and narrow it down. Stop doing some stuff, slow some stuff down. And that is one of the areas we can help because often we go, well, everything's a priority. What do I stop? I can't. So we can help there. Um, and also look at the things that you're doing and are they actually the purpose of your role? Are right. they what you should be involved in? Or are you staying in your comfort zone because you like doing those things or you're good at them or um, you haven't created a succession plan for other people to do them with you? Yeah, no, that's that's a great word of wisdom. Uh, we use the phrase urgent versus important and being able to dissect what is, you know, those two words don't mean the same thing and making sure you're focused on what's important for you to do. Uh, so, no, it's, that's totally in line with what I've seen a lot of leaders uh, struggle with. Agree. And I think you can add a third axis to that now as a sort of updated version of that model, which yeah. is capacity. Okay. Um, so it could be urgent and it could be important, but do we have capacity? And yeah. if we don't, then we have to deprioritize something else because what we've been doing for many years is just adding another one and adding another one and adding another one. And now we're full. Uh, right. And that's why burnout becomes that's a where burnout comes. Right. Right. No, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that if somebody would like to reach out to you, Jimmy, that they can reach you. What, what are some of the best ways for them to uh, uh, connect with you? Um, absolutely. So we have a wonderful website, um, which is like an information hub with everything to do with our business. So if you go to jimmyburrows.com, that's J-I-M-M-Y-B-U-R-R-O-U-G-H-E-S.com. In there, you'll find some information about our programs. You'll find information about our podcast, The High Performance Leader. You'll get access to our book if you'd like to. Uh, and we always like to say thank you to all of our listeners and hosts by offering a coupon code, which is just VIP25. Um, I'm hoping we can include that in the show notes for 25% off the book. Um, it's also going to be available on Amazon fairly soon. The um, the other way to get in contact with us is to reach out on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I really enjoy the conversations there. Uh, and what we say always is if you're thinking, hmm, this kind of sounds like me, 
we don't sell we don't pitch we don't try and force you to buy anything we just want to listen and help and if you, we end up working together great if we don't then we've learned some more about you you've learned some more about us and hopefully we've helped you along the way so please reach out for a conversation on linkedin and we'd be more than happy to connect yeah that's awesome again jimmyburrows.com or out on linkedin um would be a great way to get a hold of jimmy Jimmy, I appreciate your time. Uh, great to have you uh, on Leaders of Lasting Impact. Uh, just encourage you to keep on going and impacting businesses around the world. And I want to thank our audience for joining us for another uh, episode of Leaders of Lasting Impact here today. And uh, we look forward to having you next time. Thanks so much. Matt Pohl here. Thank you for watching this episode of Leaders of Lasting Impact. If you're a successful business advisor, I encourage you to go to leaders.rewildgroup.com where you can learn how to be a guest on our show. If you enjoyed the episode, please share on social media. You can also tag people that you think might be a good guest for our show. Just be sure to use hashtag Leaders of Lasting Impact so we can see your comments and suggestions. We release episodes on a regular basis, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Finally, we really appreciate your ratings and reviews. Those go a long way with promoting our podcast. It really means a lot to me and our team. Learn more about the Rewild Group at rewildgroup.com, or you can follow us on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.